Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Thank you, Steve, and welcome to Financially Ever After. This is a podcast by women for women to learn all the things you need to know about making good financial decisions, both uh, during your divorce and and afterwards. Uh, We have thousands of listeners and today we have a fantastic, fantastic guest. Um, We have Joy Leverday and she is a consultant on active aging and the elder care industry. She's also the author of books on preparing for aging and family caregiving. Um, Her book that she wrote has a great title of essentially, Who Will Take Care of Me When I'm Old? Plan now to safeguard your health and happiness in old age. And she also has another book called The Complete Elder Care Planner. So, Joy, it's great to have you here. And um, in particular, I think what what you bring to our podcast here today, too, is helping us plan for the future, knowing that now, now we're on our own. I know. And guess what? I am and have been divorced and went through everything that you can imagine. It was not a pretty story, it never is. And so I can also speak personally to that effect as well. So how long um, ago did did you go through a a divorce? Has it been quite some time or is this something that um, was, was more recent? It was quite some time, it was after nine years of being married and I hemmed and hawed and fought it mentally because I'm a good Catholic Italian girl. You're not supposed to get divorced, right? And then I uh, sought professional assistance and uh, I saw that it was what I had to do in order to be financially stable and otherwise with a four-year-old so it was wow. a long time ago. Um, I, I talk about it frequently, though, is, uh, because the lessons we learn never leave us. And this is, this is true for most of the women that I know who have been divorced or in the process of it. And, you know, one of the things that we hear a lot from women, and, and I completely understand, um, is that fear of of. of being alone. What happens if I get sick? Um, mm-hmm. You know, what happens if uh, I can't I can't care for myself? Who's who's going to take care of me? And what would you recommend to women? And what can we do to make sure that that we age as actively as happily as possible, both from a health perspective. But what can we do too? What safeguards can we put in place of if if something does happen um, and I don't want to burden my children? How, how 
how can we protect against that too? You know, and people are quite happy when they open up the table of contents of this book and there is a plan for money, a plan for mental well-being, a plan for the revolving door of relationships that are typical in all of our lives. Every single thing that happens to us as we age is outlined and then all we have to do is make the decision to make a plan and this is what it's all about so specifically depending on what's on your mind at the moment if you just open it up to the table of contents some people are thinking about money while others are thinking about planning for a for end of life others are thinking about a new career or finishing one or whatever. There are so many things to plan for, Stacy. that the answer to that is what's going on in your life right now that you would like to learn more about and then make a plan and then open the book and I promise you, it'll be there. I love your book. I love your oh. book and I love the word plan because yes. plan is empowering, plan is mm-hmm active. It's not, uh, let's see what happens and I'll just Uh -uh. try and manage it. So tell me, tell me first the planning for your money. Let's talk a little bit more about that, especially because this is called, you know, financially ever after. So Mm -hmm. what are some of your key, key advice pieces that you would want someone to, to be putting in that plan? Okay. I'm always amazed at how many people do not know what Medicare is. Mm-hmm. So, so there is a lot of mystique around this program that is available to all of us. So the first thing I would advise listeners to do is become familiar. I don't care how old you are. You can be very young. But to plan ahead means to take Medicare into consideration. What is it? What does it pay for? What does it not pay for? And what else do I need to do in order to supplement what it doesn't pay for? So financially speaking, I'm not talking about uh, the concept of retirement. I'm talking about the concept of financing a longer life and all its implications. So keeping your eye on the on the ball that's way way ahead and then working backward is the way to do it and and i would start with medicare if it's a financial thing i would say to myself what is this medicare thing Mm -hmm. and what do i need to know about it now so that i can go forward and medicare i I feel like it's the the new m word um it's it's a little scary it's a little scary because you have not only the the base Medicare uh, piece, but then you also have all of these different Medigap policies to look at, and it can be very confusing. So what are some good resources? I know I've gone to the AARP, um, great resource to, to try and understand all the different options. Do you have any options and even um 
do you recommend someone work with a Medicare consultant? Because I know that we've we've recommended a few clients uh, just to, you know, have a, a 15, 20 minute phone call with a Medicare consultant as well. Yeah, it's great. And this is a new service. It seems like it's a new consulting service that's popping up, doesn't it? Yep. And so it's all of a sudden, it's like, where do these people come from? But I always assume that we're all going to be real conservative with our money. So yes. my favorite resource is go to the local area agency on aging and talk to those people and say, who do you recommend I go talk to about learning more about Medicare? And it most likely won't cost you a dime or there will be local community um, like workshops and seminars that are typically held at hospitals or local public libraries. Mm -hmm. You also brought up something really important too, Joy, is that it's important to understand what Medicare covers and what it doesn't cover. And unfortunately, there's a lot that Medicare doesn't cover. Um, in particular, uh, any type of uh, long-term care that you would need. And I, I am very biased towards making sure that in addition to great health insurance, in addition to Medicare, that women who don't have don't have significant assets to pay a $10,000 a month um, mm -hmm. nursing home cost, that they've got a good long-term care insurance policy in place. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what the insurance policies for long-term care cover that Medicare doesn't? It doesn't cover memory care, specific memory care. And it doesn't cover the kinds of care that most of us need on a day-to-day -day basis. So because I'm, I'm assuming that uh, many of your listeners are also uh, really maybe in their 20s, 30s, 40s, that they look and see if their parents have, mm -hmm. have thought about long-term care insurance. Uh, so it will, it will cover the kind of care that our parents or we will need, but parents who may need a little help with dressing or mobility, um, helping them uh, create nutritious meals or taking them back and forth to the doctor's office, all kinds of day-to-day -day activities that very busy people um, are typically at work and who's gonna take care of these kinds of needs for our loved ones. So not only should we think about long-term care insurance for ourselves, but also ask the question now, especially if your parents are young and healthy, ask them if they've considered long-term care insurance. Joy, you, you bring up a, a great point. And the other thing I really want to make sure that um, women think about is that if they're going through the divorce process, they're doing their statement of net worth, that they include a line item in their budget for the cost of long-term care. And there's a couple of reasons. I know that the, the people who benefit most from long-term care are unmarried single women. And that's because we don't necessarily have a spouse that's gonna take care of us. 
-hmm. And also because women, much more so than men, we actually use the policies. And policies are better than they were years ago, where you can now have um, cash pools. It's a lot less difficult to actually get a a long-term care need approved. So the horror stories that I know we've all heard um, aren't necessarily true. The other thing of why it's important to think about this during your divorce is that if you are married and you get long-term care insurance, you get a spousal discount and it could be 20, even 25% off the cost. You get that discount even if you end up getting divorced and that discount stays with you for the rest of your life for that premium. So it's a really important thing for women to think about. And I know there's so much going on when you're getting a divorce. My gosh, you're you're mm-hmm. mostly thinking about the kids. You're thinking about other family members. You're thinking about all these other things. But this is one piece where you need to put that mask that drops from the ceiling in an airplane. You need to actually put it on yourself now because, number one, you're now – a candidate that needs this more than ever. And number Mm -hmm. two, you have a short window of available time where you can get discounts of anywhere from 20 to 25% off the price for the rest of of your life. So really important thing. And um, do you have an idea about, you know, other than I'm going through a divorce and this is the right thing for me now, um, the general age that a lot of women end up going and and getting long-term care? Um, Long-term care insurance is based on two things age and health so so if you're young and healthy you have to be 18 years old to have a policy and older so if you are young and you are really healthy the uh, possibility of needing care may be very remote in this case but you never know I mean look what happened to Christopher Reeves he was a 40-year-old uh, on his horse, and he and he hurt himself, and 40 years old, needing long-term care, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always going to be on age and health. If you buy a policy, and there is absolutely, you're in perfect health, you're not going to pay as much as if you start to think about these things in your 60s, it's thousands of dollars more. It's crazy that just jumps way up as you get older. So there is no age and you have to be 18, but it is wise to think about, especially if you are a single person or single parent, you know? These are all, to me, I look at long-term care insurance as a, as a financial product that comes to the table and gets incorporated as long as I know I cannot pay for my own long-term care day-to-day needs. Mm -hmm. If I am for some reason independently wealthy later on, I can always drop the policy. But when when I think about the responsibilities that we have as a person who does not depend on anyone but themselves legally, then this is a product I would bring into the the fold in terms of um, financial stability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And and I actually will tell you, Joy, I ended up buying long-term care four years ago. 
um, and that was when I was 39, which is typically mm-hmm. younger than most. Um, mm-hmm. But we have a lot of hereditary diseases that, knock on wood, I'm doing just fine. But cholesterol, um, diabetes, okay. we have histories of stroke, heart attacks, um, you know, breast cancer. So you name it. And yeah. I realized that, guess what? I need to get this before, you know, there is a point where maybe maybe I have to pay a lot more. So that's really important. Um, There's another thing that you talked about, too, that you hit on that I think is really important. We just talked about putting a plan in place for financing a longer life. And that means by having the right Medicare policy, the right health insurance, taking care of yourself and also making sure that, um, you know, if you have a long term care need and don't have millions and millions of extra dollars sitting around, that you have a insurance policy that will allow you to stay independent and and be able to have that care. Um, can you tell me a little bit about putting a plan in place for mental well-being? Because that's also, as we know, mental well-being, especially after coming out of the trauma of uh, a separation or a divorce, that can have a huge impact on your physical health and your physical well-being. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I really will never forget the uh, mental trauma of any of this. So. Uh, the first thing regarding a plan in place is making sure you are surrounded by people who are empathetic and compassionate to your unique needs because you will go through the ups and downs of craziness and and to be surrounded by people who help and understand you is the first place to go Um, it's I can't emphasize enough and I and I give a lot of different ways to create friendships and help sustain them for as long as possible. This is gonna be 90% of how we get through old age anyway. This, we're all gonna be helping each other. So that's the plan, is, is always be, be a friend, a good friend to someone who is, and, and, and surround yourself with people who are giving and loving. And these people are not hard to, hard to find, but they are hard to keep. So uh, that's, that's it. I know plenty of people who do not have a lot of money, Stacy, who have people around them all the time. They eat together, they play together, they don't have to spend a lot of money, and they are well taken care of for their entire lives. That's amazing. And it is. You know, it, it's interesting because so many I think our society, you say the word rich and you equate Mm -hmm. that to dollars, right? But you know that a rich life is so much more. It's it's health that we just talked about, um, but it's also community and caring and and how important that is. Now, Joy, if if someone's coming out of a, a divorce or, you know, they're a single mom now, they're taking care of their kids, um, Many, many of us don't feel like we have the energy, let alone the time, to make friends or to really nourish friendships. How, how can we do that when we feel like we, we barely have enough time and struggle to, you know, get the kids wherever they go, that their lunch is packed and, and get sleep? Right, right. I love sleep. I, I, I can't. I, I've, I've just discovered sleep, actually. It's new. <laughs> Um, when I was a single mom and I was divorcing and I had a four-year-old, you are absolutely right. Friendships were not at the top of my list. Making a living and putting food on the table was on the top of my list. 
Um, our, our needs evolve. When you have children who are in school, whether they're in grade school or high school, and, and even college, you have almost an automatic friend right there because you're mm-hmm. running into other mothers. But everything changes once, the, once you're going through empty nest. This is when you do have a little bit more free time uh, to, to engage in some kind of activities that are outside of work and so on. But it's really something that evolves, this, this process of who you have as a friend, as a mother. It starts to evolve when the emptiness thing starts happening and as work progresses or not. You know, volunteering is one great way that people um, initiate new friendships as they grow older. But this time thing, it is just really critical. And I, and like I said, uh, the friend thing wasn't happening for me uh, for a while. And it, but it is big time now because yeah. everybody, because all the kids are grown. So it evolves. And I, and the thing is, is don't feel guilty about not having everything. I yeah. was focused on my daughter and focused on working and focused on um, staying financially stable and independent of anything and everybody so that um, I took up all my time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I can understand, you know, the, the idea of friendship. I, I think of sex in the city and being able to, mm-hmm. you know, drop everything and go have uh, Cosmos at breakfast mm-hmm. and not have to worry that the rest of your Saturday is a little fuzzy because you had too many Cosmos. Like, obviously, that's not that is not our life, um, you know, yeah. maybe not even the life that we would want. But right. I know I know many of us have people in our life that are not serving us. People that uh, we spend time with, that we walk away, and I call them energy vampires, energy vampires. It's like they suck the life out of you. Um, They might be the person who's always complaining, always, um, you know, the glass is half full. And, of course, we may even have been that person going through our divorce, and we may still be there, but it doesn't mean that we're going to be that person for the rest of our life. And so our friends understand that. But some of our friends, and, and I know I have had this situation in my life, that's who they were. Doesn't matter if they won the lottery, they would have a problem with having won the lottery. And I, this is maybe a little harsh, um, but I do spring cleaning with my friends. Yes. And I reevaluate who are those people that you talk about putting that plan in place of surrounding yourself with people who are caring and loving people who are good friends that you're good friends, able to be a good friend to as well. And looking at the others, the energy vampires that, you know, and it's not just because they're going through a hard time in their life. It's just unfortunately who they are Mm -hmm. and getting rid of that friendship and opening up yourself to the possibility and the time to have more nurturing friendships. Um, and, and maybe they are with kids. I know for me, most of my friends have kids um, that are the exact same age as my kids because it works out really well. We have a play date and we get to spend mm-hmm. some time together. It's yeah. kind of like play date for the kids and, and play date for the moms. Absolutely. Um, I, I have a list in the book about what makes a friend. But I, I don't, love it. Yes. Now, I don't say it's should these people be doing this stuff for you? It is just the reverse. Am I doing this for other people? 
Am I the culprit here? Am I the complainer? Am I the one that, that doesn't keep promises? So look at that list and see if this may be one of the reasons why people aren't hanging out with you or there when you need them. Because it starts with us. If, uh, if we, we are not the giver, we won't ever have people who want to be around us when we really need them. Yeah. And we're yeah, going to need them. <laughs> Boy, exactly. we need them. <laughs> and you know what? I think many women on this, uh, listening to this podcast are thinking, gosh, this is part of the reason why I left my husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay, well, now you get to leave your friends or be a better friend. Yeah, exactly. And and even a heart-to-heart conversation. Yes. And I know that being honest uh, can be very, very difficult. But, you know, explaining this is what I need. Um, what do you need? And I am I being that friend for you? And yeah, let me know what you need to hear from me. I'll do everything I can. I can't guarantee because I'm a mom and I've got a four-year-old and I've got so many other things to do. But but having that real honors conversation is really important. Yeah, I think about it as the two o'clock in the morning friend. Can my friends call me at two in the morning? And if I cannot say yes, then I need to look at what I'm doing to not create the kind of quality friendships that everyone, you know, we need in our lives and they need in their lives. We, you know, we, we, it all comes down to our friendships. Later on, and I go through this whole thing in the book about the revolving door of people and the, the need for quality on who you're hanging out with because family just gets dispersed. It's the natural law. And the longer you live, the more you get left behind. People you love either move away or die. Mm-hmm. They just do. And so this friendship thing is so critical. It is very critical. And I think a lot of women uh, forget how important leaning on others is for getting through trauma like this. Uh, We we tend to be very uh, dependent on ourselves. It's very hard for us to reach out for support and and I, I know myself that when I have a friend call me and ask me to do a favor, I feel like a million bucks. Uh, and we forget that, that by mm-hmm. reaching out and asking for support and help, of course, of course, it's helping us. But the person who's able to step up to the plate, boy, they feel amazing. And, and think about it. When you, you know, if you go back to that that time where you got someone, a dear friend, a family member, whoever it might be, your children, that perfect gift and the pure joy you saw on their face and how that impacts you. It's that same thing of being able to help someone. So I think that's really important. Um, Joy, I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the the biggest challenges or or mistakes um, that you see women going through a transition or even, you know, five, 10 years after that um, and on their own, what are some of the biggest struggles you see women undergoing, facing when they're planning for our, our second life, um, you know, the, when we're in our 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 
you might as well be planning for 90s yeah. um, based on our life expectancy. Um, one, of the, one of the challenges I have and most of my friends have and most women in general that I've spoken to have is our inability to create boundaries. <laughs> we, we just have a tough time with that. We are social human beings. We believe that we are totally competent and can do it all. We feel guilty when we can't, and we put our own health at risk um, many, many times without even thinking about it until we're sick, you know? And so, so um, we, just, we just have a hard time putting, going through this thing called me first. Mm-hmm. When it comes to money, when it comes to relationships, when it when it when it comes to uh, this this relationship that we have with ourselves, we have to become stronger at saying it's okay to say no. And this goes through this this will be a line, a theme throughout our entire lives. Work, money, relationships, children, you name it. And as we begin to get better at time management or, or creating these kinds of boundaries, we will, we will become stronger. We, we do become stronger and a better person, confident to to be able to handle any situation that we we encounter uh, in on all levels so we gotta get really good at that just much better at it especially financially some some sometimes we think we don't deserve all the good stuff that's coming our way and we do deserve it exactly exactly it's uh i i so hear you essentially talking about making a plan to be stronger, setting boundaries and being able to say no. And I agree. And I have, I have done this too of actually becoming sick because I didn't set boundaries and I, I will admit this, um, and it's completely sick, and I realized that it is, but I, I recently had knee surgery, and I had one of those weeks before, which, of course, before you're going into surgery, you're stressed out, um, mm-hmm. but also, I was getting more meetings done, I was setting up everything for the parent t- PTA um, to make sure that no matter what, it would run smoothly, down to extra grocery mm-hmm. shopping and prepping meals for the kids, mm-hmm. and I was so looking forward to the amnesia and being able to just sleep yeah. during the surgery. Um, that is crazy. <laughs> That's crazy joy. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show that we as women, we need to be stronger to set our boundaries to say yes. no. And yes. I could have going back now that I see this and, and realize like how crazy, how crazy I was, I should have asked for some help. And instead of prepping the meals myself, I should have been like, guess what? We're ordering in. We are ordering in for the next week. And trust me, my kids would be so happy. Shake Shack, (laughs) of course. Um, But it is so important. So many diseases we know 
have roots that go back to anxiety, depression, stress. So if we don't care for ourselves, we're going to see the ill effects potentially right now, but definitely, definitely in the future. And if you can't take care of yourself, there's no way that you're going to be able to take care of anybody else, your children, your parents, your friends, uh, your your charities. So I, I have to say, I think that, uh, and I really appreciate you sharing, again, making a plan to be stronger, setting boundaries and saying no, because it gives us women permission, uh-huh. permission yeah. to take care of me, take well, care of me. Because you you have this fabulous show on finances, this is one of the biggest mistakes I see women family caregivers make. And that is the one of constantly depleting their own financial resources, sticking their, their hand in their own pocket to pay for stuff for their parents instead of finding out how to get it done another way, including the possibility of having it picked up by some program or some organization or something. But women are constantly putting their own financial well-being in jeopardy when it comes to family caregiving. And boy, I when I give workshops and I talk, I t- that's one of the first things I talk about it. I say, stop it right now. That just tells me that you mm-hmm. haven't done your homework on what's available to you. You got it. You cannot do that. You cannot jeopardize your own long-term life for your parents. There's there's a better way. There's a better way. There's so Enjoy. many better ways. I want to end on that note because it is... I, I completely agree with you that if anyone takes uh, a piece from this podcast, making a plan to secure your own financial yeah. security, no one is ever going to give you a loan for retirement. Right. You can get loans for college education for your kids. And if you're doing well enough, even help them pay them off. No one's going to give you a loan for retirement but you can use programs and agencies and there are other resources to take care of your family, uh, your parents. These are all things that uh, are uncomfortable to put ourselves first, but are so important because ultimately it's not, it's not only hurting ourselves long-term it's hurting our kids, our family, Mm -hmm. because Old, poor, and alone is not the financial future anyone wants. And the poverty rates for Mm. women in their older age are astronomical. And they're actually only getting worse. And part of it is because of this. Exactly what you're saying. Using your own money to pay for kids, parents, friends, when it comes to helping them out, when it comes to caregiving. And and for some people, I even see kids who are in their late 20s, early 30s, whose parents are paying for their apartment, uh-huh. their, their cell phones, when yeah. the parents can't even afford to go out to eat or be able to afford those things for themselves. Mm, well... We could spend another half hour. We could spend another. I know. (laughs) Yes, thank you for 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 capping that one because that is a huge one. Well, Joy, I can't I can't thank you enough, and I I love how you are able to outline how we create plans um, because planning is empowering. It's proactive, and and just as a recap, putting a plan for financing a long, healthy life, 
putting a plan in place for your mental well-being and your your happiness, putting a plan to be stronger, set boundaries and learn how to say no, and putting a plan in place to secure financial resources and financial future, being able to take care of yourself so that in the future, if needed, you have money to take care of others. Um, I can't thank you enough. And how, Joy, how do more people find out about you, about your books, if they want to dive in a little bit more? And we'll make sure that we also have a link uh, to your book also on the podcast. Um, right. Maybe tell us a little bit about your website and a little bit more. Sure. The website will get you everything and, and uh, lots and lots of articles and so on. So the website is elderindustry.com. And I will also link on my website all of this information about your wonderful show, Stacy, because you're doing a, you're doing uh, so much help. Uh, money's the number one topic when I have, whenever I give a talk, and so this is so key. So elderindustry.com will get you on your way. Well, thank you so much, Joy, and uh, thank you to our listeners on here at the Financially Ever After. We're coming to you every other week, and please do reach out to us if you need any support or have any questions. We have a beautiful uh, second opinion that we offer. That second opinion has an x-ray analysis of your investment portfolio, helps you understand the tax impact of each asset that you own, how to make sure they're working hard for you, and answering questions um, that we all have about what is enough, how much do I I need to have. Right now is actually a very busy time for us. A lot of women may not be sure if they want to get separated or potentially get divorced. And so please do feel to feel free to come in for that second opinion to understand more about your finances. Uh, coming in to talk to us doesn't mean that you're going to be making that step. It just means that whatever step you do take, that you're more informed. Women who know more about the finances, women who know more about the money of the of their marriage fare better. They fare better not only during the divorce process or separation process, um, but they also fare better afterwards. So please reach out to Francis Financial. Uh, you can reach me at Stacy S T A C Y at FrancisFinancial.com, or you can visit our really beautiful website, www.francisfinancial.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll be talking to you in two weeks. <music>